0: Welcome to the I Get Buckets podcast. As always, I am your host Simon Harricks and we are finally here with the last episode of our special series of fantasy reviews for the I Get Buckets League. It's one day until we are back watching NBA Basketball. And here's the last podcast just in time. I'm smashing them out and hopefully everyone's going to be able to, to get a listen and, and get a feeling for all the fantasy players that we talk and some of the expectations coming into the league. And then as soon as we hit day dot, we can um, potentially throw some of the expectations out because we don't need to project what they're going to do. We can actually watch them. Hopefully, some of the stuff I've been uh, analyzing and getting down to projects the right way, but... Even so, it doesn't matter because I'm just excited to watch NBA basketball. We've made it all the way here. It's a a weird time and we're crossing fingers and toes that everything gets to to finish. Um, It kind of of blows my mind when you're seeing a lot of the teams actually um, have a little bit of fans in the stadium. Um, But they know what they're doing, I hope. (laughs) Um, But today we're doing teams 9 and 10. Feels like it's been a long wait to to, to get here, but um, I'm excited to to kind of look at some of the players that we haven't talked about yet, and some of them are some of the more important um, ones that we want to get to, and it's going to be fun. So um, I hope you've enjoyed the ride, and let's get straight into it. So team that drafted number nine, uh, candidate for one of the better names here, we have salt and Pepper Gallinari, straight off the bat pick number nine one of the ones that I was very curious about coming in to draft night seeing where he was going to go and that's the one and only Kevin Durant um I think I've gone down on the podcast saying before that it's hard to remember just exactly um you know Kevin Durant's place in the league when he when he did his Achilles and I think it was very much, um, not going too far off the deep end to say that he was overwhelmingly the best player in the world at that time. the The way he was playing in the few weeks leading up into his injury, um, he was he was the best player in the world. Um, a player that would go top three in in a draft if he hadn't gone injured. And then we just ticked over to you know the two thousand nineteen slash twenty season. Um, but now, obviously, it's been a long time since drinks for for Durant, and I guess you have to, to, to factor in all of what's happened and a little bit of a, a concern, especially coming off an Achilles injury. There's obviously talk about how this you know affects his defense, um, affects some of his confidence, his explosiveness. There's a I guess the positive thing when you want to project him coming back is the fact that he's you know so tall and that hopefully. It really doesn't affect his shooting, you know, coming over um, on guys and pulling up. But but also, you know, there's a lot of um, science to say if you did, you know, your Achilles on the side that you don't jump off, and, and a lot of people, if you're right-handed, you jump off your left foot, um, it tracks a little bit better. You know, we, we have a lot of interesting cases. Um, I think, obviously, Wes Matthews is probably, you know, the, the most um, recent scenario, but, um even in the WNBL, the the finals MVP this year, her name escapes me, um, was coming back from an Achilles injury. Um, and we go all the way back to Dominique Wilkins, who, you know, did it. So there's, there's a track record. It can break either way, I think, with Kevin Durant. Um, it's nice to see him perform in preseason. I don't think we're going to get you know, the real pitcher until we, we, we start playing games and potentially only, you know, twenty games into the season. But I think everything's kind of tracking confidently and I think Kevin Duran at pick number nine here was exactly where I would have taken him. I had him at pick nine on my big board. Um, the fact that he's such such a talent and, you know, if things break right can kind of change your team. He he needs to, to go before guys that I had, you know, after on my big board, like uh, Zion and, and Aiton and and, and Embiid. Um, but I just, you know, there's safer options ahead of him, like your Jokic your Towns um, and LeBron James, I feel it's just, you know, yeah, a little bit safer to go here, but I would be more than happy to to take the, the chance on Kevin Durant here, especially because when, you know, you've got pick nine, you come back at um, pick 12 and get to go again, and, I think this has fallen absolutely perfect for, for team salt and pepper Gallinari here because he was able to get Ben Simmons with his second pick at twelve. So I actually had Ben Simmons at pick seven on my big board. I said in the other podcast I thought there was two hard decisions in the top ten, pick number four and then pick number seven. Um, I said pick seven because, you know, I thought the latest I would let James Harden um, four would be six, and then I had another decision on where to go. Obviously, in our league, Damian Lillard went number seven, which I thought was, was a safe, fine pick. But for me, uh, Ben Simmons was the man that I would have gone, I think, average of 28.5 last year. Obviously, he's coming back from injury. It was a real shame that we didn't get to see him in playoffs because some of the, you know, uh, playoff Simmons uh, a demon um, you know, conjecture and, and talk about how how well he can contribute to a, a winning playoff team has kind of disappeared because we didn't get to see him, and obviously Philly fall flat on their face. But it's almost like they got a bit of a pass, given you know the shambles that they're in and, and Simmons being out injured. But I think in terms of regular season games, all a lot of the arguments about you know obviously um, him being able to shoot the three and how he you know becomes a little bit or almost less impactful, you know, when teams are able to set up their their half-court defense. I think that's really important arguments and and stuff that, you know, coaching staff are really going to have to work out in a playoff scenario. But for the regular season, I really, you know, don't feel that, you know, him shooting the ball is that much of a problem when it translates to fantasy. We have a track record of, you know, him being a... um, what the six foot uh, seven i think he is a uh, point guard that in the mold of almost um you know russell westbrook in terms of the counting stats so i just i, I just have you know a, a love for someone who can impact you know the box score so overwhelmingly without you know having plays kind of run for him he's so devastating in, in the fast break um he just can do so much for you um in basically every facet of the game obviously he's a um defensive player of the year candidate most years because if he's so switchable um you can play him with so many different lineups i think the way that they've built the roster with more of shooting around him is it's just a lot more smarter for them to to do six foot ten i should say he's a lot higher than six or seven i just there's a lot of um intangibles to ben simmons game that translate to fantasy so well obviously you know a huge triple double threat there's, there's, you know, big questions about how they fit him with Joel Embiid. But when the the argument came up, I really did think that if I was going to trade one of them, it, it it would be Embiid only because I feel that um, the talent that Simmons has in you know a, a modern NBA kind of thing can you can build a team around him a lot easier than you can Joel Embiid. And as much as I don't think the shooting's coming anytime soon, um, I haven't really you know put that away as something he can't build eventually um it's got to do with a lot of confidence and then putting in scenarios and his um willingness to take it and it'd be interesting if you asked Brett Brown (laughs) um what his willingness was to take the the shot last year but we have a new coach obviously um in Doc Rivers and I think a lot of what um Doc Rivers might want to put in could could really help Ben Simmons obviously there is the um cloud hanging over that Ben Simmons is available in packages for James Harden as much as Daryl Morley will say no I think um that's a lot of PR uh I think it's probably factual to say that you know Ben Simmons is available in the trade for the right price whether Philly would want more than just James Harden back or um Obviously, there's to and fro there with what happens, but there's a legitimate scenario where he is in Houston, and I think fantasy wise, it's a little. It's probably worse than Philly. I, li- I like him better at Philly because um, I think he assumes more of the ball handling there. Obviously, with John Wall in Houston, it's a little bit different, but I, I still think all the intangibles that make him, you know, a, a-, a huge triple double threat, counting stack guy. Um, are uh, 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 not going away. I just think with his talent, he's he's one of the safer um, options. It's why I had him above LeBron James and Stephen Curry and Damian Lillard for that matter. I just think there's so much um, that can go right for him to to really be a, a top five player, and I don't think there's a lot that can go wrong. I think we've seen seasons where it seems like he's not contributing as much as he could, but the the floor for him and his talent these days is is almost you know NBA All Star like that's just how um, good he is and, and and the talent around him and I I've, I've been a real Ben Simmons um I guess I wouldn't say hater but I've been I've been quite down on, on, on what he does um, in terms of contributing to to winning basketball and and how it translates to the playoffs and next to N B and what Philly's doing I've 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 gone on record to say a lot of those things and I think the question marks are still there but I think it's 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 silly not to to recognise what uh, a unique, you know, generational kind of basketball player that he is, and the way that it translates to fantasy, I just think is is completely fantastic. And as I said, I think he's an, he's as much as a steal um, in the second round that you can get. I said, you know, people don't really fall, but I was was hanging on that. <laughs> I was I was thinking, oh wow, is he actually gonna fall back down? Um, but I think Coach Adam here was smart to to getting where he was. And if you told me that you got Ben Simmons at nine and Kevin Durant at 12 and just switched them, I would have you know been over the moon and that's basically the exact same result that you got here. So um, stoked for that off the top. Next is, is more of a question mark around Paul George. So obviously, um, Pandemic P has, has had a rough um, six months. Um, obviously, the Clippers, um, I guess have been rough too and it's weird that you could say oh he's had a rough um six months when he just signed a a five-year deal that what pays him about 190 or something like that (laughs) i can't remember some of the the numbers that you get now are so um huge you just kind of forget exactly what the what the the number is all you know is it's enough money that they don't need to um do anything for the rest of their life easily four times over his family is safe as long as he's he's smart. So, <laughs> um, yeah, bad six months for, for poor George. But in terms of basketball, um, his stock is definitely down in the league. Um, you know, halfway through his season two years ago, um, he was a, a genuine MVP candidate. I think he would have finished third in the voting and, um, he, he deserved this. So he was, you know, Winning games for, for OKC off his own back in, in in a way where it was all clicking and absolutely devastating and a pleasure to watch. Um, I think I might have tweeted it out from the Agüer uh, Puckers account that you know he he was a legit MVP threat um, in about March or April that season after watching a game him absolutely destroy. But the problem with with Paul George obviously with the Clippers was that he averaged twenty one point six last year, a real fall down from from him being a, a lock into to round two every year. And you, you pick him with the um, projection that he, he he breaks right or at least a lot better than the 21.6. We know he's you know, all-round game um, and shooting are there for him to come back and, and, and have a impactful season. Um, they've made, you know, some changes in the Clippers, but, the you know, the talent of, of, of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard that we've got a little maybe carried away with, but, you know, it's still a legit, you know, power duo in the NBA and, and, and two players that can lead the Clippers to to a very high standing in the West. I still believe in, in Paul George. Um it's just, you know, how much do you believe in him? He went pick twenty nine. I had him at pick big number thirty on my big board. So again, it feels like a lot of the players that I talk about have have been quite close to where I've put them and I guess I don't know if that's a um, a statement of, of of us being on the same page or or maybe there's there's not a lot of differences in in some of the stuff that we're breaking down. But I think the big board again is is, is just really a feel of where you do it, and you get more of a more of a touch during the draft. You know, on on where people are and, and where you need to go, and I think obviously Brandon Ingram and and, and Sabonis and, and Morant uh, kind of just go just before him. Um, all players that I did have a little bit higher than, than Paul George. So I think he's unlucky that, you know, someone couldn't have, have slipped to him and maybe he was hoping for one of these other guys and they didn't slip. And then he had to, to kind of go for Paul George. I, you know, I would have rather a, a Donovan Mitchell here, which was still on the board, but I think he's probably, I don't know. It's weird to say that Paul George safe because based on last year, you, you shouldn't. And um, there's been some injuries but not enough for me to, to get off I think I think it's a fine pick I think it doesn't blow me away is is, is what I'm saying is, is Paul George Leighton in, in the third it would have it would have blown me away um, I guess early last year before we drafted um, it'd be interesting to see where he went last year um, just because right, he went pick eight last year which feels early <laughs> but um Obviously the difference between eight and twenty nine this season is is a huge difference and I think if, if Adam can can back on a little bit of a turnaround here, you might be really in the win. But as I said, you can only base you have to you have to bring everything in context and don't think it's early. Um, but I don't think it's late either. I don't think he's got a steal here. He's probably He's probably got him at the right time. The stock is quite down. um, And there's a world scenario where he's not a top um, 30 player this season. But we'll just have to wait and see. Um, We go straight into round four now. And as I said, he doesn't really have to to wait too long on the turn. And another player that went really early last season um, and had a fantastic season, but then slipped, is his pick 32 in Jimmy Butler. So um, last season... Let's have a look because I know he went quite early. Um, maybe he slipped a little. He went twenty last year, so off the back of a, a winning Miami season, he he slipped a bit. I think you know most of it is what his his play actually translate into scores. I think we've seen you know the the best arm um, of him in, in playoffs in terms of counting stats, but also some of the games where he's happy to take a, a backseat to to players like Bam and. And even Hero at times. So he averaged 26.9 last season. Very, very healthy. Someone that um I think you'd be stoked to take in round four. Um I guess I had him at um pick twenty-seven on my big board. So I had him a little bit higher than than Paul George. I think it's a it's a smart get here to wait, and I think if anything, it's 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 more of just you know Jimmy Butler's. It's locked into what he's going to do. He's not going to have, you know, games where he explodes in points all the time. I think it's a lot of it's more tied to to his all round um, stats. And I think as Miami get better, there is a concern that Jimmy Butler doesn't have to do as much um, as we kind of saw in the playoffs that he stock slips a little bit. I do think there's a world where he's twenty six point nine is, is not achievable. Um, and he does he does trend a little bit down, but in that case, I'm happy for for him to get him in in, in round four instead of round three, where you know he might have um, gone and and was on my big board. Um, but yeah, I think you just kind of you're safe <laughs> in Jimmy Butler. Um, you know, you know he's, he's he's a more set role than you know Jamal Murray who went you know two after, and even Darren Fox who went three after. Um, you know what you're getting from Jimmy Butler, and and he's gonna probably be an all-star and a, a fantastic player, Miami, I think a little bit of the, the word around the, the league from GMs is that they think Miami overachieved and, you know, you, you can only beat who's in front of you and I think they, they'll they be out to prove once again that they're a real threat in the East and they kind of go as far, um, I guess, collectively as some of the players, but there's, there's no way Jimmy Butler's not still... The man to to, to push them and and get heat culture where it needs to be so I think it's a fine pick Um, next one is a lot more up in the air and that's Victor Oladipo so I think pick 49 for Oladipo um, is really banking on a return you pick him here because you think that um, Oladipo has the potential to, to be an all star level player again and the consensus on the league is a little bit out and this is your opportunity to cash in, I guess. I think that's the mindset from Coach here because I I wouldn't have taken him this early at 49 if I didn't think that he had a real return. I actually had him quite a bit later on my big board. I had him at sixty-three. And again, a lot of these, you know, injured return players I might have been a little bit more conservative than I have in years past, based on (laughs) the injuries that kind of derailed what I was doing last season, I just, um, I would have liked to see a lot more positive basketball from when he did return, and obviously he opted out of of the bubble, Um, although there was a pay dispute with him trying to opt out of the bubble, but, um, you know, we haven't really got any, uh, uh, enough of a feel for him to to return to to what he was as an all-star player. I'm a little bit concerned that, you know, with, with TJ Warren um, and Sabonis and some of the other stuff that they're, they're doing in Indiana, that he's not that clear, you know, fantasy option player that, um, you know, he was a couple of seasons ago. I think they've almost moved past it a little bit. But if he can return to, you know, to form and, and, and show us that, you know, he can be the Victor Oladipo of old... Um, it becomes a, a fair pick, but I think it's, it's quite a bit of a risk and I would have erred on the side of caution to think that um, the more likelihood that he returns to a 20-point scoring player, um, I would have wanted to bet that on, on a couple of rounds later. So I think I, I, I do think it's an early pick that can, can come back to hurt you, which sounds weird when you say Ola Deeper in round uh, pick 49, but as your fifth player that you want to tie your hopes in I'm, I'm a little bit concerned there i think the first month may may give us a little bit of a, a looking and i've said that quite a few times with players but i mean i do think that um a coach being an indiana fan has something to do with it <laughs> i think that almost makes him take him around earlier um so i do think the the risk is inherent there that um you set yourself up, but I, I I do think you know, and I say it for a lot. The the body of work that you did in the first four picks, if if Oladipo breaks riot, that that really you know vaults you up a little bit level and and, and makes you a lot more threatening um, come business end of the season. And a lot can be similarly said for his next pick at number fifty two in Chris Stapp's Porzingis. So uh, obviously the 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 problem with Porzingis is that he is returning from injury. Um, he had a torn meniscus late in the playoffs and is not um, 100% clear when he's going to return um, I guess the, the latest is that you know, he, he's travelling on the opening road trip of the season and you know, practising with the team hopefully and you know, maybe only miss it so a couple of weeks um, I think that's really you know best case scenario for Kristaps um, Porzingis, I think, you know, his average last year of, of 24 is, is super-duper healthy and I think he's a real missing piece, I think, for the Dallas Mavericks and, and their real push behind Luca to, to get back into playoffs and, and make more noise, I think. Um, I'm really excited about his season this this year. I had him at 47 on my big board with an asterisk to, to think that once we got past, you know, around this mark depending on who i had in my team depending who was left on the big board um you would start thinking about him and that was because i i really think the upside is huge i think some of the the concerns on his game last year in terms of you know settling for 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 elbow jumpers for for not really being as active on defense as he should be um you know for a seven foot three guy um I guess I I was a little bit um, I felt more comfortable with, with some of the things he was doing, you know, last year that we were, going to, you know, fulfill some of the the promises that we got, you know, after you know his rookie season and the unicorn of you know Chris Stubbs before he had that ACL injury, you know, he was really, trajecting as one of the more, fascinating and, um, I guess players not just in the NBA but for, but for fantasy so, I. I think you know going Oladipo and Stapps, um in a row for what is you know really important rounds for building your team in round five and six is risky, but I mean as much as I'm down the Oladipo one, I'm up on the Pozzingas one, so I think balancing it out, um, I think you have to be happy with it. If Oladipo breaks right, <laughs> I, I, I I trust that Stapps is fine once he gets back. The concern is is how long it takes the um, the reports are, are quite positive. So so in, in that way, I think he's probably gone earlier than people were thinking that they wanted Pozingas to slip, but he's made potentially what I think is the right decision to get him now and probably a lot of other coaches going like, oh, damn, I didn't know he was going to go that early. Maybe I should have gone for him because I do think um, if things click right, he's a top 30 guy. Um, but then um he he goes a little bit safe a guy that um you can pretty pretty much mimic his his output every single season and that's big 69 at CJ McCollum so um there was a season he went undrafted and then was dropping 30s in preseason and then i think after one game in the season um after just proving that his his preseason form was real he got picked up in our league and and the rest is history for, for him. Just churning out <laughs> averages of around, um, you know, your twenty to twenty two. So he was a twenty point four last season, and I just think that's that's his role this year. I I just there's nothing to say he's not he's going to do anything different. I think in a similar way that to, to Damian Lillard, they they're really locked into their backcourt combo, and you know Terry Stotts, you know coaches and. Um, they've made, you know, a few off-season additions, you know, to the bench and, and Nurkic is, you know, healthy, but, um, I just, I just look at them and, you know, I think most of the improvement is, is coming within with chemistry. I think Damian Lillard has improved every year and, and McCollum is kind of just that guy now. Um, I think at pick 69, it's a, it's a nice one. Um, I had him at 55 on my big board. I mean, I just think he's, he's rock solid and, and. I think shooting guards, you know, he's taken a few here, but for, you know, shooting guards is a position where, you know, there's a little bit more up and down. Um, I think CJ McCollum, you know, has, has shown. If things click, there's no reason why he can't. I mean, it depends on the looks that he gets a little bit, but he has the shot that can really, you know, make him one of the, the more devastating three-point shots in the league. I think he doesn't get that because of the volume, and, and you know, obviously they rotate the point guard duo that, they want one of them on the court a lot of the time. So I think, you know, they'll the sub CJ McCollum out early or, you know, five minutes into the first, but then getting back in and when he has to do a little bit more, the ball handling, the efficiency goes down. But the volume is at the rate that it, it makes him such a fantasy-friendly um, prospect. And, you know, there's definitely improvement that could potentially have with the assists if he does handle, um, you know, when when Liz's on the bench 4.3 last year. I mean, it could go up. I just... I think he's 22 points from last year. Um trends very very safe. So I'd be pretty happy. Next is Miles Turner, pick 72. So another potential Indiana homer pick. I th- I'm happy that he waited at least this far. But the the stock on Miles Turner has has dropped so dramatically that it's 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 quite concerning um for his fantasy output, I mean, it's hard to you know watch him sometimes that he he should be a better fantasy than what he was last year, and I think you know his average of seventeen point four. Based on some of what you hear and and you know his value around the league, you you would have expected that to be less. Seventeen point four is fine. It's it's handy. It's probably something that you take for a seventy two, but. I mean, it's hard not to be worried about, um, the Indiana's role for him, obviously, so Bernice is the man, it really does feel that he's on the trade block, um, you know, they've pushed him to be a more, you know, flexible, <laughs> kind of big man, but I just, I'm not sure if he, they think that their best starting five includes him, they're not sure what they want to do with him a little bit, and, you know, I was so high on him coming off his rookie season, um... And I'm just a little bit confused about where his fit is right now. I I had him higher on my... I probably had him around the same spot on my big board, but I kept bumping him down as I got closer to the draft. As far as I had him at 90 on my board. Um, so in in that essence, I think it's a risk. I think it's early. I don't think people wanted to kind of touch him a little bit and they were happy to go elsewhere. So for, for round eight... Um, you know he goes before both the Ball brothers, um, Tyler Hero, Cousins, Al Horford, Jared Allen, so other big guys that I think um, <laughs> have question marks as well uh, with with Cousins and Allen, but I, I I do think there was there was probably um, more interesting players to potentially go at it at this stage, but if if he's got to read on Indiana by watching them and think that Oladipo and Turner have you know improved seasons this year I think he he's well positioned to, to cash in because um, I think miles Turner sh- this, this should be where he was picked um, if you weren't concerned about some of the role moving forward and my concern is that you know if he does get traded he actually doesn't land in a, a friendly scenario um, at least fantasy wise it just it just makes me a little bit worried to, to draft him here. Moving on, number 89 is a pick that I like, I really like to a fault. And I've been massive on Bogdan Bogdanovich um, for, for many seasons now When since he's come over from Europe and, and trading for him last year. I, I, I just think the only thing that was holding him back is um, his fit on the team and his usage. I still think the pathway is a little bit unclear on Atlanta. Only because there's, you know, worry about Kevin Herder and and what you have to do with him. Obviously, they've they've drafted, you know, Cam Reddish. But, I mean, I think this is the money that he paid Bogdan and he just vaults both of them, I think. I think he's a fantastic shooter. I think his basketball IQ is is super-duper high. The way he cuts, the way he reads, you know, the play he's passing. He's a little bit older for, for, you know, players of their experience in the NBA, but, you know, he's come from Europe and he's been playing at a, you know, high level for, since he was 16. And I think you can kind of get that feel with Bogdan. I think he's just a, he's just a, a smart player. And I think all he needs is, is an opportunity to really excel um, in the league. Obviously, Trey Young um, will handle a lot of the ball, but I think he can play off him. And I think he really can, can be trusted to run players. And the all the question marks are about, obviously... If he kind of slides into a similar role that he did with the Kings, with the with the Hawks, I think his fantasy upside is capped. But um, I think this might be the season where he gets over, you know, thirty two minutes a game. I I would love him to see that. I think Atlanta are kind of deep, which 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 hurts it. But if they want to, you know, unleash um, the Bogdan. Um, I I'd, I'd love to see him, you know, trend up to you know your thirty two plus minutes a game, and if that happens, I think he becomes unlocked a little bit. I think we look back and say that pick eighty nine was a real steal. That is me being super duper positive. Um, if he doesn't, you know, if he's capped at you know your twenty seven minutes, you might see some of the um, the trends fall the way of his king's days. I don't like him potentially not starting for a couple of pre-season games. I think pre preseason is pre Again, um, you do with a little bit of salt. I was dry. I had him on my, my, my board to, to think about um, based on the fact that, you know, I really think he, he, he starts and he goes forward with, with everything that I was hoping. I had him at 73 on my board. Um, I think it was very similar with, with Bogdan and, and Lowry that... Excuse me... Um, I, I went with you know the injured Walker, um, hoping that one of them would, would fall to me next round. They didn't, so in that aspect, I I, I just I just think it's it's the right time to go. Um, it's interesting that that coach has gone back to back with new Atlanta um, players with his pick ninety two at, at Danilo Gannonari. So um, maybe it's a little bit of uh, insurance that you know one of the players the players that they've paid to come over, um, you know, pops in their role. I think it's it's fine. Um, you know, he was he's been a, he's a really good regular season player for the past two um, years. He averaged nineteen point one last year. I had him at seventy six on my board, so at ninety two again. That's that, that's really good. I mean, I had him ahead of guys like Jared Allen, Montrezl Harrell, Eric Bledsoe, Lonzo Ball. Um, I just I just think. He, he, he's shown enough and they've paid him enough that, that he's more of the option um, ahead of potentially, um, you know, I think they've got a bit of a glut of guys depending on whether they want to do. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, maybe he's more of your, your small forward guy, but obviously John Collins um, is a bit of a question mark there and, you know, it depends on what, if they want to play small ball, I guess then that impacts Capella. Uh, um, I was confused about how much money they did give him given his age but I think you know the contract gives you a feel that it's fairly safe um, going into that he hasn't been a player that's blown teams away by earning him the last two years and the, the best thing I think he's been you know relatively healthy enough to to put the huge question mark that was you know injury problems behind him um, So I think it's worth a, a gamble here it doesn't it doesn't blow me away I don't get super excited about it um but it's it's the right time to take him here um his next pick 109 Derek Rose I, I can see the, the pathway for, for for Rose getting picked at 109 is that you know he's the experienced guard that 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 you know is given first cracker the opportunity and he's good enough to, to really hold on to a fantasy um role or season you know the the concern is that uh, <laughs> um, Killian Hayes is is the future. He's the point guard there. Um, DeLon Wright has kind of been you know, brought in to, to, to roll through some of the minutes. And, you know, if if Derek Rose becomes, you know, the player that he has been, you know, for the past couple of years is more of a, you know, bench relief, you know, microwave scorer kind of guy, I'm not sure if he should be taken at, at this round. I think 17.5 last year, average, is is healthy and I wouldn't be banking on too much of an increase with that. I think, there, as I said, there is an avenue because of just, you know, lack of options on, on Detroit and I think, you know, Derek Rose has, has really, you know, kind of revitalised the back end of his career and being a a real good team team player guy that um, can take over and, and, and lead because he knows how to do it when the, the moment's right but also, you know, knows how to, to, to fit in with, with the team... Going through a little bit of a, a restock and a rebuild, depending on what they do with Blake Griffin. I, th- I like it's it's an interesting pick. I had him at 117 on my big board. I wasn't willing to, to kind of go for him this early because I think there was a lot of players, you know, around this time that you could have gone that had a, a lot more <laughs> interesting, um, I think, upside to, to what they were going to do. I think, um, you know, after it, whether it's Devontae Graham. Um, even Killian Hayes, who went, you know, the next round, um, a little bit interesting. We are getting into the back end of the, um, the, you know, the fantasy draft where (laughs) there's not exactly a shit ton of of prospects for, for him to kind of go. So in that, in that aspect, I I don't think I can be too harsh on, on, on Derek Rose. I think he'll stick with his team and maybe that's what you want in your, in your last five picks. I just, um... It's hard to see a, a huge you know path forward but might be good one one he did go a little bit riskier next time um, and there's there's always just an element of risk for rookies is James Wiseman with the pick 112 so um, I just think the the pathway is, is, is quite simple in terms of him um, eliminating the negative aspects of his game and, and, and being a rookie you can um, you know rim run and, and, and finish around the basket obviously, I haven't been able to see a lot of James Wiseman, and I'll talk about, um, I guess, Anthony Edwards later, there's just, obviously, um, he was um, suspended and out of the NCAA because of, um, I guess, I wouldn't say tampering, but there was was issues with his his clearance for for Memphis, I think it was, and dealings with the coach, Penny Hardaway, I think, who, who coached him in high school, for whatever reason, he was out before coronavirus even took over, but Regardless of the scenario, you know, we haven't been able to, to see a lot of him, which makes me a little bit apprehensive in, in projecting some of the, the thoughts on on a few of the rookies this year. But in saying that, you know, I think the scenario is, is, is a good one at Golden State. I was happy, you know, that he went number two in terms of his projections for fantasy. Um, again, there might be some some rookie um, bumps, but there always is. I think the pathway to a, a nice fantasy um, allotment is there and, and probably worth the risk and the right time to take him like Camelo Anthony at 129 I, I I wouldn't go as far as saying too many bad things about that based on last year where you know he's stuck in, in in his role so um I wouldn't have taken him any earlier I think he's fine to round out your lists uh, I, I really do think there's a scenario where he's he's he's, he's not a contributor but I think this is the time of taking Camelo Anthony's got a little bit of a rival. Portland wanted to bring him back. I think hopefully he accepts more of a bench role because I think when they're fully healthy um he's not a, a starter for him but we'll see maybe he'll he'll kind of rotate through depending on the injuries and if he can stay fit he's fine you know. He's Camelo Anthony he'll, he'll score the ball and I think even if he's a bench player, there's an allotment of him, um, you know, shots and, and running some of the stuff that he's viable. So that's fine. I think 132 Joe Harris is is actually a, a really good pick. I would have had him um, in the back two rounds if I could. I think you know he's shown that he's been paid. I think he's a really important part of, of Brooklyn moving forward. And while there might be a few moving pieces, I think Joe Harris isn't one of them. He's the guy that they know um, as a you know uh, one of the best shooters in the NBA. Is you know locked down as a, a shooter next to um, what they want to do with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and I think to say he's just a shooter undershoots a lot of his game. I think he's very active off the ball with his cuts, and we've seen last year and then even in preseason. You know his ability to to kind of cut off the ball and um, use the space that um, is afforded to him by you know Durant or Irving or or even uh, Levert to an extent. You know, gives him lanes to the basket, and he's very nifty. And it was only a couple of seasons ago that him and LeBron James led the league in in field goal percentage at the rim. Um, he doesn't take as, as you know as many as, as a lot of other players, but you know, it just it, it just shows that um, he's quite he's quite handy um, at the rim. He's not going to you know give you a lot of the other stats, which is the concern. So there will be games where you know he turns out eights and nines, but the hope is you know his average ticks up. You know. Be higher than 15, 16, 17, and because he's so reliable um, that he sticks on a team and you know he's not got that fluctuation that, that other players that average a similar one to him um, does. You know, his he's average of you know 17, 18, or whatever it is, is 17 every single game. I mean, that's the, the hope and the the, the idea of, of Joe Harris here late. And uh, lastly, just finishing off Aaron Holiday with his last pick, another Indiana pick, I think is, is, is worth the risk, you know, there's, there's not a whole heap of, you know, stuff that I want to talk, to be honest, um, whether it's Justin or, or Aaron, they kind of, um, morph into the same guy when I'm, <laughs> when I'm watching Indiana, but, um, again, it's his last pick, and I think with, with Indiana being a little bit, you know, fluctuating, that then, then he might settle into a role and become a, a good last pick, so... That's fine. That's that. That's um, Coach Salt and Pepper Gallinari uh, finishing off there. I think, um, his he, his middle rounds um, are, are really interesting. Oladipo and Pazinga are big question marks for me. I think he's done fantastic up top. We we do think that Durant, you know, is going to miss back to back games, and I think Coach having Kawhi, <laughs> to maybe even the last two years, I can't remember, but definitely is one of them. He I don't know if he gets get frustrated by, by that and, and he's kind of done it again, but we'll see how it pans out. Um, I think Ben Simmons is fantastic. Paul George may hurt him, but you never know. Um, he's there. I think the past couple of years, he's probably underperformed and his team hasn't been um, as good as he had hoped. And I think at least going into this season, I think there's a lot more optimism with what some of the players can do and hopefully Paul can come back as soon as possible, and then there's a little bit more to play with there. So that's it, and now we've only got one more team to go, and I'm gonna try and smash this one out. But do respect to Coach Jesse, um, as always. Interesting team to to review, and one of the more fun ones to track on draft night as he goes. But again in saying all of this, putting respect on the name given now he is a two time champion and if you have to throw out last year, given we did, you know, two of the last three ones that of seasons have come to completion. Um, pick number ten, it's not ideal, but again, you know, you get that that, that real crack um, at at two on the back end and he's going with Joel and Bede up top. So I had Joel uh, Joel at at number fourteen, but I um, I understand why you want to go with with him at ten. I think you know he averaged thirty last year. I think a lot of the injury things you can kind of put to bed, and um, he's just one of the more devastating guys. We had that game I think two seasons ago where he scored a seventy. <laughs> Players don't do that unless you are you know elite fantasy kind of player. The, the you know. What he needs to do is—is is, I don't know if you you want him to be more traditional big, but you know, start doing the things that you know make him make him the the player that um, we've all wanted him to be in fantasy. And if, if things click right, you know, I feel like he can you know be better you know fantasy asset than you know your Carl Anthony Towns who who has been you know a top five player um, consistently because you know if Doc Rivers and and different coaching thing can get. You know, Philly on track to be one of the better teams in in the league, and you know, you think that they have the talent to do that. Joel Embiid is um, a real cornerstone to that, obviously. And if you can, you know, I still think him being a shooting threat is important, but him not doing it, <laughs> um, you know, shooting as much as you'd think without the flow of the offense, you know, there's a lot of talk. He's pump fake is one of the more obvious pump fakes in the, in the league to to read, but when he cooks on the block he's, he's you know one of the best post players in the NBA his ability to get to the line and then and be quite you know efficient when he when he gets um, there and obviously the rebounding um, you know can you know push you know top um, you know leading NBA kind of levels if, if, if the defense is really good um, which I think they might focus in on with Philly and you know you force all the defensive rebounds and he can just kind of uh, clean the glass I think um, you know, I only had him at, at 14 because I was that high on, on Zion and DeAndre 8 and Aiden above him. It was it was less on a knock that I was concerned about what he's going to do this year. Um, I think it's fine. I, I, I really do. There's no way he's he was going past you know 15, I think this year, even you know with with him at 14 on big board the next one is you know raised a few eyebrows and I'm, I'm i'm i've got time for it with devin booker at 11 so i know he said there's no way that devin booker is getting back to him because he has to wait a long time um and 100% right devin booker um, of an average of 25.2 last year probably you know is is early based on on some of the the players that were you know behind him i had him at 21 on my big board and that's because i I would have gone players like Trey Young and and, Adebayo and and Zion and Aiden all ahead of him, but I don't mind, you know, the confidence to say, Devin Booker he's going to take a leap this year. You know he's locked in with Phoenix. So I like the Phoenix team. You know, I really think that twenty five point two can trend up to you know your twenty seven twenty eight. I do think there's a world where Devin Booker is a lot more consistent and reliable than a Trey Young or a Kawhi Leonard um, or even a Walt Russell Westbrook and if you, you know, sit down and you make that argument, I'm, I'm, I'm very here for it. Um, and if you think that, you know, this is a player that's going to really make a leap, um, I, like, I, I'm, I'm definitely here for it. I think there'd be other players that um, I can be quite down and negative on. But as I said, you know, it's quite bunched up the top. All of these guys in, in the first two rounds are elite players. And, and while I didn't, you know, didn't have him going this early in the second round... Um, I, I, I just think it's fine I think it's you know at the end of the season whether he you know finishes 11th or potentially 15th 16th you know depending on the other options you went for you know it really might just you know fall together in, in a way that's you know fine I just think you know Devin Pooker's that good and if you think this is the season that he's gonna take even more of a leap to say okay I'm not just good player on a bad team you know put some respect on it I'm one of the better, if not the best, shooting guard in the league. Um, I know James Harden and a few others might have someone to say about that, but this is the time for Devin Booker to, to, to do that. So you you want your, those kind of guys, go for it. And just think it's fine. The next pick I was down on on draft night, and I think that was only because it was the first shock of the draft where someone got picked a lot higher than I had him on my board. And that is Yusuf Nurkic at pick um 30 so I had him at 45 on my board so it's not that big of a drop really it was just because obviously it's the third pick the more I think about this one the more I'm happy with it and I know I've, I've had avenues to kind of batch early now and I've, I've refused to but I'm just I'm being more measured in in, in, in use of Nurkic and I know that um, a couple of seasons ago before he was injured he got drafted about fifty, and I was quite down on it. And he was easily playing himself, you know, into a top thirty um, player that year. I think what we saw um, in the bubble and playoffs is is really promising for Yusuf Nurkic. I think you know he can be almost that MB's light with you know his strength and he, his post moves and his rebounding. He doesn't really have the shot as much, but I think it's there and. Um, i would be interesting with the stats. Maybe I'm underplaying him there. Um, I could talk myself into this one in a big way. Um, I think whether you know you're in or out in Portland, you know, in the West, I think what they're doing is very important around Yusuf Nurkic. And if you want to, if you, I like, I just think he's potentially a much safer option than a Darren Fox or a Jamal Murray who went, you know, in in the next round. Um, so I'm. I refuse to say too many bad things about that, even though it was earlier on my big board. Um, a lot of that is just because of the sample size that we saw last year. Um, you know, I had someone like Jonas Valentinus just ahead of him, and and that was just because of you know the body of work that was done and the role and everything like that. And in hindsight, um, I like I think Yusuf Nurkic probably should have been a little bit higher. So yeah, I just think it's I think it's good. I think he stays fit. Um, it could be well, and those words stay fit. Um, ring especially true for Kyrie Irving at pick thirty one. So, if if Kyrie stays fit and he plays, you know, sixty out of seventy two games, um, I think this is really really good pick, and I will openly admit that I have a lot of bias, and um, <laughs> you can read into that what you want. I just think um, it's hard to watch Kyrie Irving and not think that he is a better player than a lot of the players that got drafted ahead of him. In the games that he did play last year, um, he averaged 28.3. The only reason I have him at 29 on my big board is because of the injury concerns, and that's the only reason I think a lot of people would have bumped him down. I think... If you if you bunt him down because of the way he's playing, you're not watching him properly. Um, I think he was he has to change a little bit than last year. Last year, um, a lot of his oh it was the highest um, percentage of field goal you know attempts and makes that were unassisted you know in, in his his career. And I think this year that might you know and, and should change with with the depth of the roster. But you know I th- still think he's the best handler in the league. I think he's one of the best finishers around the room. Um, in a league that's, you know, training away from mid-range games, he's been able to exploit that and get to his spots, you know, a couple of 50-point games last year, um, you know, he averaged 27.4 points, um, you know, and that's, you know, elite, that is elite numbers, that is top two round um, numbers, and if he's fit, I really think, um, you know, he's a top 20 player in this league, if not higher, I think a lot of the ESPN lists, you know, having him as a, as a worse player than Players like Siakam and Westbrook, um, I think is is just a, is disrespectful for for what he's done and obviously the chemistry and you know flat Earth <laughs> a lot of the stuff is um, it's hard to swallow at times and I do understand that and I think the most interesting and and thing that I agree with with the off season was someone you know just saying yeah you just want Kyrie Irving to be cool can you just be cool. Um, and then and let the basketball kind of do its talking, and I'm do. i I'm, I'm an optimist in that way. I do think uh, Kevin Durant will be a, a positive influence on him, and I just think this is a really good pick. I would have gone him next. Um, yeah, all about it. I'm all about that one. Gordon Haywood is hard, because <laughs> it's really frustrating that um, he already has <laughs> an injury, but... On the same side, apparently, an injury that was going to keep him out for some games may not. So, let's maybe throw that in the bin and just analyze Gordon Hayward as is. You, the, it's an optimistic pick because I guess the, the trend is saying, you know what? I think Gordon Hayward has a lot more of what we saw. You know, he used his Utah days, or even you know there was a a, a burst in his um, previous season with with the Boston. About February, March, or whatever it is where you know he looked fantastic. Um, his average was still twenty-one last year. Um, when he when he was on the court, he was important for what Boston were doing. Uh, a lot of the intangibles um, were there with the, with his counting stats. And now that he he goes to a team in Charlotte Hornets that um, wants to play a little bit more quicker pace. Um, but I think he can he can you know shoulder a lot more of the burden in terms of scoring and increase his stats. And I think all of that stuff um trends well i had him at 51 on my big board so basically at the exact same time i do think um if anything you know it's a touch early and i say that you know knowing <laughs> he went um at you know the same time i had him in the big board but you know that's players that are going a little bit after him um whether it be you know puzingis or um wendell carter jr i think was 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 interesting Actually, looking down, I'm, I'm happy with this one too. I think it was probably the the right time. Um, injuries are the concern. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. But there's there's that problem with, like, labelling um, someone as injury-prone to just, like, injury-bad luck. And I think it, it has to do with a lot of, you know, the types of injuries. The broken leg is obviously horrific, but something... Um, I think once he, you know, gets the confidence back and, and trends back that I'm, I'm not too worried about, broken wrist, broken finger, they, they seem more fluky injuries than someone who has a, a dodgy shoulder or a dodgy knee or repeat, you know, knee surgeries or, um, you know, back spasms or or things like that that are a little bit more worried. I think Gordon Hayward, it's the nature of the game. You're going to have to be concerned about injuries just because he doesn't hasn't played. But the nature of the injuries, you know, makes me want to, to look at it in the lens where, Okay, you know, Horan's are confident of giving him that much money. That you know, he's a big part of what they're doing, and I think it, I think it's a good pick. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy with that one. Jeremy Grant is the interesting one, and I you know went on on record with the podcast a few um, seasons. Oh, sorry, only a few weeks ago, and saying I really liked the the free agent acquisition here. Um, I just think the pathway for him it um, Detroit is really healthy, and I think that. Um, I, I think that everything he did at um, uh, what is it the Denver Nuggets could could translate into a high usage role, and he's shown offensively to to, to be a little bit savvy. I know he he has a skeleton of a shot that they they want to work, and um, I think you, you know you pick him with the expectation of a, a usage, and depending on what they do with Blake Griffin, I just think there's there's a real positive outlook here that he can trend to be uh, you know a one that really increases his he's average from from the past few years so i think it's it's a it's it's i get all of that and i'm buying into it in a big way um i will sell all the upside on him i think he's average of 13 you know you know trends hopefully really up and i i mean i was thinking you know the 18 20 if things break really really right it's a good pick but they need to be break really really right i mean and saying all these things i had him at 83 i think you know it's this is an early pick i would have wanted him you know 2 or 3 rounds later based on all those upside that i was i was selling i think it's all definitely there but i just think he you went too early with it um here and you know a few of the other players you know you could have gone but i i mean in saying all those things i said doesn't make it untrue it just means you really need them (laughs) to go right. (laughs) Um, The next two picks are unfortunate only because they're auto draft picks. And and the worst thing, I guess, about being auto drafted at round um, 10 is that with two in a row, it goes automatically into your next pick. So unfortunately, coach um, was logged out of the system here. Um, For whatever reason, um, it seems to be a track record. So I don't know (laughs) if it's something that you're doing, but I think he got lucky with at least T.J. Warren um, here. I'm not sure if he was in his queue. I think T.J. Warren. This is where he was, you know, going to go. I had him at 60 on my big board. I think 18.6 average last year. Um, doesn't really even um, put into context some of the play that he was, um, you know, doing as you know Indiana's best player in the bubble. You know, devastating. I think he had that 50 point game. I think T.J. Warren maybe maybe he's a real deal. I mean I mean it's been hard to peg and he's been inconsistent since you know he was drafted from Phoenix a few years ago but you know I think he's you know maybe really fit into a role um I mean I think there's a concern based on you know drafting someone like TJ Warren who who doesn't seem as as fancy and sexy and and done, does have a pathway to you know you know be more inconsistent role player stats rather than you know a guy that leads the team but i mean you can buy into a lot of the things that he was doing and and if you if you read some of the stuff i think it's it's you you think that it's real at the paces you know think it's real and they're not gonna they didn't want to trade him um because they think it's real so i think that's fine the 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 problem is pick 71 for, for robert covington here um I think it's early. I think Jesse thinks it's early. I think he didn't want to take him. I think he's a well-rounded fantasy player, and you know he might be you know quite nice at Portland, but I think he's more of that back end guy. And the ESPN order draft rankings bump him up, I think, because he fills a lot of the box score and you know his defensive prowess is good. But I just you know he, he's not gonna score enough or, or or rebound you know at the high high rate that makes him worth a round eight pick here. But whatever, it's all good. Um, Robert Covington there. Next pick is DeLon Wright at 90, and I think that was another really interesting one, potential early pick um, for Jesse here. Um, but again, it's it's through the lens of the role. So he's taking him here because he thinks that DeLon Wright has a, a, a much more higher role with Detroit, and I think it's, it's worth taking the gamble and thinking that he can be that player. So... I think it's early. I mean, but I I can I can respect the, the thought process here, and we have a little bit of a role. I just the concern is with you know DeLon Wright. There's every chance that it goes wrong, and when you you're, you're putting you know pick ninety to a guy that really hasn't shown any, or a lot of fantasy value in in his, um, any of his seasons yet, apart from, you know a couple of games here and there. Um, yeah, you're, pe- you're pegging a lot of your hopes to, to him breaking, right? And the way um, <laughs> Jesse plays a free agency that, you know, he's got to stick on-, on your on your list because you don't, don't move players off as much. And if, he- if he's not panning out right, um, he's going to negatively impact um, your team as you trend into the season. But we'll-, we'll see how that one goes. As I said, I think I, I get the process behind it. I think the logic of DeLon Wright, you know, walking to a team that's really a little bit uh, devoid of, of fantasy assets and players and the real, um, I guess, uptick in minutes, you know, it's a pathway to success. But for for pick number um, 90, you know, I, I wouldn't have been looking at DeLon Wright until the last couple of rounds personally. So in that aspect, it really needs to go well. I think you've left a lot on the table. Um, let's have a look, pick 90... Um, Guys that have have gone basically straight after, you know, include Larry Marker and Thomas Bryant, um, RJ Barrett, Marvin Bagley. All players that I probably would have, have rather had, but um, I do think that one of these is better picks and and someone that I I really I think was was a bit of a shock that he's he's falling this bar and and Jesse's I think taking advantage here is in taking Karis Levert at ninety one. So again, through the lens of um, I guess Brooklyn bias a little bit, and, and maybe after join coach for a few games, um, if he's got both Kyrie and Kyros. But um, I think we saw the real upside from from Lavert Levert uh, finally in the bowl in terms of some of his minutes. And I think um, for f- there was a lot of risk around what his usage would be in his role and his fit into the Brooklyn team. Um, a little bit like some of the stuff we were, we were echoing with Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, and obviously, that, you know it will come to pass, and that's why maybe Carlos Levert has, has fallen where he has. But, you know, we did see that given the usage, you know, his talent level and what he can do is, is a real top 50 kind of fantasy prospect. Um, the the concern is, you know, well, how much opportunity will he get, I think, in the bubble um, and even a couple of the playoff games, you know. The best part of, of, of Levert fantasy-wise is when he gets to be a little bit ball dom- dominant and then... Uh, he has to really learn how to, to succeed fantasy-wise off the ball. And I guess the past couple of years, he's probably been drafted a, a similar position, thinking that um, there would be the leap to coming that, that hasn't eventuated. So all of that still kind of resonates now. Um, I guess the upside is that I think Brooklyn are, are going to really manage their team uh, deep um, throughout the, the season. I think they're they're aware of... Of kind of getting guys um, ready. I mean, I think they'll prioritise <laughs> the regular season, but with the you know the lens that that playoffs are, are what is going to be more important. And I think the I guess talk that Karis Lebert may come off the bench in in what was compared to a Manu Ginobili type role. Um, I don't know, there's big big tickets there to to, to fill uh, that kind of role <laughs> and, and label it with Manu. But you know, that's that that's potentially what the the um the walk in is for for Karras to be fantasy viable. Like I I do think the chemistry that Caris Levert and Jared Allen has had in a little bit of pick a roll game um can be a little bit of what you saw with Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams in different players. But you know those two coming off the bench potentially you know, needing to be leaned on for, for scoring um, and a bit of a kick, but that's where the position um, might be best fit for them in terms of their fantasy role and that, depending on the night, you know, Karis Albert still gets his, you know, 32 minutes um, and, and finishes games um, or at least, you know, your 30 minutes would be, would be I think, a season um, or a career high in terms of his usage and he's ready for it. Um, uh, some some ways with you know Joe Harris on, on getting better looks I think Carlos Levert coming into the league his his, his shot um, wasn't really falling but I thought the mechanics behind it and everything was always going to trend well and then almost in a, in a little bit of a change I think the way he kind of um, he stopped following through as much in in his shots when he was under pressure really kind of um, was evident when he was when he was missing a few of them especially um, coming off the dribble but. I think he he he's shown um, that he's, he's really good at you know breaking down and, and getting past um, defenders and being savvy with his, his his passing in the lane and I think he's got you know all the assets for him to be a, a real box score covering player but it's going to be with the efficiencies um, he does have a, a tendency to, to leave it a little bit short at the rim and outdo a lot of his, his good work if he if he really can't uh, put the ball in the hole, and I think that's the next step for him, and I, I think it's a it's a really worthy uh, risk um, at pick 91, because I don't see him as the player that will slip out of the 100, if everything goes right, just because the talent level is where it is that he's going to he's gonna have to, to come and, and, and get at least some of his stats, regardless of how stacked uh, Brooklyn is. Um, I just like it, yeah. Next, uh, another one, I think Jesse's taken a lot of uh, fit-type uh, roles, which I think is smart. You know, that's what you should be doing in fantasy. Um, but whether, you know, you get really obsessed with, you know, the fit and the increase in Tagum really, um might be the case here with 110 and Dante DiVincenzo. So someone who was basically um, traded to, to the Kings but ends up sticking around now, obviously, with the Bogdan Bogdanovich thing falling through like... Um, you know, Delon Wright and Jeremy Grant here. Um, the look is that you know he's he's going to get a career high in minutes. He only played 23 minutes last year. There's a a pathway now with uh, no Wesley Matthews and looking at you know he's he's his third year kind of leap here. Um, this is all tracking to to say that Dante, Dante Vincenzo is poised to have a, a career year and, and break out in a lot of you know the categories. It's just how he fits in with a lot of the the Bucks players, um, with Drew Holiday, with um, Chris Middleton um, in the starting five, and you know, uh, you know personally, I think some of the stati- statistics may trend in your your more Joe Harris um, kind of fashion, um, or whether it's Davis Bertans, which he takes later, um, in, in some of just like some of the counting stats and, and being there as a shooter and fitting in with the role and, you know, not having, you know, plays called for you or, um, you know, the, the ability to really impress me with increasing, um, you know, defensive stats to, to, to round out of the box score. I just, it's hard to, to know where, uh, an increase in his, you know, his average, um, is going to get to a point where you think that 110 is worth, um, a gamble. Um, so, again, like I like the logic behind it. It's just similar with uh, uh, DeLon Wright. It's just, okay, well, who could you have gone instead? Did you need to go this early? Um, with someone like that, obviously, uh, Devontae Graham and, and Ricky Rubio and Derek White, um, Norman Powell are all guards that that went, you know, basically straight after. Um, and maybe, maybe you could have gone elsewhere. But, again, I like uh, – this is this is the name of the game in the fantasy. And if you you know identify these guys that are gonna get a leap and you think this is the price to pay, then um I'm not gonna to get too down on it. I just you know had him again um like the long Riders as ones that uh I thought were really interesting uh last you know two, three round picks. Next, um he goes for, for someone that could be really interesting in Rashawn Holmes um in round twelve. So I guess Rashant Holmes was was very very good last year for the Kings. Um, he averaged twenty one point seven, and he was a player that I was interested to see where would land. Um, I think one hundred and eleven is, is is not a bad place for him. The, the question mark is, I guess you know, with Hassan Whiteside and Marvin Bangley, where things are going to land. He was almost like a a late season acquisition last year going um, undrafted, but then, you know, getting healthy and, and putting up, um, you know, 12 points and eight rebounds, but the efficiency was where he kind of um, shown through with, with 28 minutes. He was almost um, super automatic um, with what he was going to do. So for, with all that in the package, like I think he's, he's definitely worthy um, of a pick here, um, but there's just the contingency of I don't know how it's 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 all going to fall with the minutes. You know, if he's ahead of the pecking order um, over Hassan Whiteside, um, then I think this is awesome. It's really good. It's just obviously you need to keep in, in your mind that um, if Hassan Whiteside, for, you know, gets ahead of him in, in minutes, um, you know, some of the momentum and everything from this pick and the upside kind of uh, – um, dwindles down so i do think holmes is a is a better more rounded player um the the white side signing as I, i've said before kind of confuses me um so i think i think there's a good chance that this one sticks and i think maybe someone else would have would have liked to um roll the dice on this one sometime soon so i you know i i i think this is this is worth um the risk and some of the players that we've seen in the past with Jesse that um I think he he he's had smart enough to kind of get there and that they've really gone on <laughs> with his free agency, you know, um, or lack of changes. Um what, what what's really held him in good stead to do that is that he's his last four or five rounds um have been players that he hadn't have needed to drop. And I think with Rashawn Holmes it could look good, but obviously the white Whiteside thing really caps him, so either um Coach uh, for Hateful Aiden or um, TJ Booker uh, for Jesse are going to be happy, and the other ones maybe not going to be as happy. Um, or oh, they both share minutes, and they're both not happy. Is <laughs> probably the other side of the coin. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll trend forward and look at um, Jesse's next pick in Anthony Edwards at 130. So I think this one's really good. Uh, I can I can get behind this. Um you know, obviously I'm, I've got concerns that maybe I've been a bit too um, rookie heavy this year, especially given, you know, the twenty twenty class of rookies has been touted as, you know, one of the the least, um, I guess, talent-ridden or, or, you know, I guess innings sense of players that I think will, will translate to the NBA quite well. So when you put that in mind, the fact that, you know, every year we have more and more rookies getting drafted um, is a bit of concern. But I know that we we all know that, um, in the past few years, um, if you can really get a, a rookie that hits, it can it can actually you know really really change up your your list and your successes towards get the end of the year. And I think 130 would be by far the latest we've had a number one pick go in in quite a while. And I think a lot of the things that I might have said about James Wiseman, I think. A, Come true here in terms of I I haven't really seen you know him play that much. It's it's hard. I've never had a, a number one pick that I don't think I'd, I'd known um, as much about this. Um, I think you'd have to go back to Anthony Bennett <laughs> about a, um, a, a number one pick that I hadn't known much about. So it's hard to me to kind of really delve deep and, and analyze it. But I think just putting it in the in the realm as as someone that the, you know the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think we'll really, you know, invest in this year and, um, you know, we'll fit their starting five as a, I guess maybe a 3-2 guy. Um, I know they they probably want to start, you know, D'Angelo Russell and I hope Ricky Rubio together. So does that mean, you know, he pushes to the three or he comes off the bench in more of a like a um, combo guard kind of role? It'll be interesting, but, I mean, for 130, I think the price is 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 right um you know I've, I've taken obi top and you know 100 and, and something low hundreds um and uh 106 it was and you know he's gone you know after guys like uh killian hayes and um obviously Lamelo ball and always uh and james wiseman so all of these these rookies that people think are, are going to walk into much of a role i think maybe the benefit is we don't know much about Anthony Edwards and, and Jesse can cash in. So I think that's I think that's it's it's savvy. I think he was definitely going to be drafted at some point. Um and he's kind of maybe just pipped the rush that other people would have, you know, wanted to put him in their in their pocket in the last two rounds. And if things pay forward uh well with his, his trajectory for the, the Wolves, then it works quite well for him. Um I think Davis Batan's is is a fine pick for the last two. I think he's he's shown that um, in his week, kick, and he can really be a, um, a huge contributor for, for fantasy, and not just because of his three point shooting. You know, he had four point six rebounds last year. Um, you know, a little over um, half a block and, and nearly a steal. And I think obviously he gets a, a huge um, contract. And you know, if he whether he starts or locks into a um, a sixth man role, I think we seen last year that things can can look quite well um, with Davis Batans and him potentially spreading the floor with Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook um, is kind of fun. I think I said before the Wizards, the Wizards are a little bit more fun this year and I, I like having him as, as a deep bench guy and I think both him and his next pick in 150 and, and Sadoraski works well for, for guys that are going to stick. So I do think that where Jesse has, has shown uh, or shined in the last few years is his ability to get guys late that stick. And I think Sadoransky, his position on the Bulls are a little bit, you know, tenuous with, with, with point guard, obviously. Uh, Kobe White's, you know, the guy. Um, obviously, Zach Levine handles a little bit, but I think Sadaransky, um, you know, can be relied on to, to, to fill a solid role um, within the minutes, you know, whether it's backup point guard or not. Um you know, his upside is a well-rounded, you know, fantasy game with, um, you know, nice uh, steal numbers. He had 1.3 last year and then toppling it over with, you know, five assists and, you know, a handful of rebounds. Um, I think, you know, he sticks. And then when you look at the, the last round um, of every team, uh, he's probably the, one of the most safer ones out of all of them. And he was he was taken at the very last pick in our draft. So... Yeah, yeah, that's fine. It's not going to be you know a player that someone lucks into in round last round that you know ends up devastating and, and and outplaying the expectations. But it's it's just solid, and I think he's got a game plan that has worked for him. So why not stick to it? Um, but yeah, I think I think overall, uh, it's it's interesting a few of the players and, and where they're going to be projected. Obviously, I think the question marks and he's picked you know. Jeremy Grant, DeLon Wright, Dante Divincenzo, all with the expectation that they're vastly different players this year. Um, I think he's he's rolled the dice on you know injury-prone guys or whatever you want to say with, with Nurkic, Irving, that could and Hayward that that really you know if if they fill out their potential can can bring him right up to, to playoffs again this year. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I will echo that some of my concerns that I had with, um, I think, was it um, team who picked seventh, coach who had Damian Lillard and Trey Young up top. I said when you look at their top two compared to other players, I'm a little bit concerned of where they're going to fit in the final rankings, and I do think you can have some of those concerns with Joel Embiid and Devin Booker if things don't go right. There's a world where they're not in your top fifteen and mm-hmm. as a team and not having someone in your top fifteen can really hurt. But again, that's doomsday kind of stuff. Um, I think, you know, Devin Book is early, but as I said, have you go for him and Joel Embiid really has the the tools to to be a top five guy. It's just um things that things are too scary to project um with I guess the way he's you know been in the past three years of a little bit more of a scattergun um, fantasy player, but yeah, I think there's there's a there's a lot of um, good to look, and I'm I'm stoked to, to potentially watch some some Brooklyn games this season, um, cheering Kyrie Irving um, back to you know the dazzling heights that he's been. So overall, good. I just want to say that um, thanks to everyone for listening. You know, it's been. Um, more podcasting than I've, I've done in a long, long time banging out, um, five of these within what is basically a week and a bit. And, um, as everyone, I'm, I'm really excited for the start of, you know, basketball and, and to get back to, to fantasy. It feels like we were robbed of last season and, you know, we deserve, <laughs> we deserves probably not the right way, but it'd be nice to, to have a, you know, everything that we've been through, um, at least get some normality with, with, with fantasy basketball, um, yeah it'll be nice i think i hope everyone's you know appreciated some of the you know the comments and i guess always take it with a grain of salt um even though i i like to to do this and um i actually enjoy you know putting some of my thoughts either down a paper or this year into um the podcast format i am aware you know all of us um, in the league are, are very smart and savvy with our, our basketball knowledge at the moment. So I guess me me doing um, these podcasts isn't, you know, for one second thinking that um, I in any way know any better than anyone else. And I think that comes comes through quite strongly with, with everyone else's teams um, being quite competitive and better than mine for, for a few seasons now. So um, I just like to, you know, echo that thought. It's more just... I'm um, having fun and and putting some of my thoughts down, and I hope everyone appreciates it and at least enjoys some of it. And it just gives us some talking points throughout the year, which I always find enjoyable. So, thanks again, um, everyone, for for enjoying this special series of podcasts. Whether you, whether you are get buckets league or not, hopefully, maybe that um will help you out. I know I've I've, I've led very much into the league, especially in the last couple of podcasts, but. That's okay. I think um, it's it's enjoyable for, for all, and especially our team and our league. But I just want to say uh, Merry Christmas to all, um, and we'll catch up for beers while we watch some NBA basketball. I love it. Let's do it. Thanks again, guys, and, and take care, everyone.